Welcome to the Leader's Journey podcast. I'm Joel Gunn, your host, and today I have my friend Steve Cunningham with me. Steve, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's been uh, been a while since we caught up. It has been. Uh, we first met at C12 Current, what, six years ago almost. It's been, yeah, yeah. funny how time flies. Yeah, and then uh, we, we were... We were doing C12 together for several years, and then you've been working on some other stuff, which I don't know if we'll have time to get to today because I want to hear about all that. But really, the hot topic right now is, of course, artificial intelligence. Yes. So what's, what's your thoughts? Pros, cons, where are we headed? Oh, the, this we're so early in the game that I'm sure whatever I say today, I'll be embarrassed by next week and will be completely irrelevant. But um, We'll erase the show and start over. That's good. Okay. We'll come back and keep doing this every week. Um, it, obviously, it's on everybody's mind. It's a super hot topic right now. We started using it very soon after ChatGPT was launched back in, I think it was late November. And at first, I was super skeptical, like a lot of business owners are. And I've lived through the past hype cycle of social media. So I'm old enough to know how that plays out in the context of, hey, there's this nice, cool new tool, the shiny new object, um, and see how business leaders react to it and the amount of time it takes them to get excited about it and all that good stuff. So uh, so anyways, I came into it with a little bit of skepticism, uh, but quickly realized as I started to try to figure out how to use it in my workflow, in my business, and very quickly realized that it's an incredibly powerful tool. I've had a lot of moments over the past few months where I've said to myself, I will never again will I blank. Never again will I write a sales email on my own. Never again will I do research through Google. Never again will I, and this, this one is surprising to most people because one of our businesses was doing book summaries. I would never again do a book summary on my own. And the the artificial intelligence is just at a stage now where, remember the whole cliche of better, faster, cheaper? Pick two. Um, for most knowledge work now, it's like you can have all three of those things. And so it's, um, it's a force multiplier for people who figure out how to use it well. And that's what we've been focusing on. I'm sure we'll get into the details of it, is helping other business owners figure out how do we take this tool kind of get rid of the hype and how do we use it productively mm -hmm. in our business. So it's super exciting. Yeah, I want to unpack that uh, here in a second. So I first heard kind of the buzz maybe three months ago. So with the mid-January, it's it's kind of hitting the world scene, right? Everybody's talking about it all of a sudden. So a couple of months after you were aware of it, uh, I, of course, had heard about it over the years, but is it uh, 4.0 is kind of what was released in the last few months? I think it was in late March. Yeah, okay. So that's about the time the buzz really went went on steroids. Um, it's been interesting to me how quickly it's evolving, like you said, every few days. So I got a, I, I got onto ChatGPT, you know, registered to be access to the engine. Um, took a few, maybe a week or two before they granted me access because by that time they're getting slammed. Uh, but then it wasn't long after that that Microsoft invited me to the Bing AI and trying that. Uh, sorry, Microsoft, that was a little clunky um, that first few days for sure. And then uh, 
a couple days later, Google released Bard. I've been pretty impressed with Bard so far. And then a few days ago, I was invited to uh, add Monica to the Google Chrome. And then um, yesterday, I got an email from Google saying that the beta version is out for um, AI to start writing code in like one of nine programming languages. Uh, so, so crazy sci-fi stuff, right? When the computer's writing software programs, or at least pieces of code, and debugging your code. Uh, so I'm curious to jump in that. I'm not a code writer, haven't been pretty much any of my life, but I've played around with some coding in my younger years. But uh, So to your point, though, where I've already found it instrumental is helping accelerate research, gathering of statistics or give me a summary of this book. Or um, honestly, um, one, of my, one of my clients is a Catholic um, deacon, and he was, he was talking about chat GPT, and, and we said, oh, well, you've got a homily coming up. Why don't you ask chat GPT to, to write your 500-word sermon or something? And so we did that during a break at one of our business forums. And, you know, 23 seconds, here's this 500-word. Honestly, Steve, I, I would say 95% of churchgoers would have thought that was a brilliantly written sermon, like word for word, just read it how it came out. Well, I'd say 100%. I'd say 100% of churchgoers would have thought, wow, that was a good little sermon. 95% of preachers and pastors would have thought, that's not too bad. It was, I was shocked, you know, and here's, you wouldn't think artificial intelligence would know much about religion, but it got all the, all the Christianese stuff in there. I've grown up in a Christian home. It had all the Christianese stuff in there, like it was written by a, a minister. And, um, but I've also used it to prepare for presentations, like, hey, I, this is where I want to go with this, and I'm in a, in a time crunch, and it saved me, you know, two hours of doing the old-fashioned Google way. So that's that's been my exposure so far. Obviously, you're way beyond that. I'd love specifically to hear, though, how you would encourage, like you said, you start off skeptical. Now you're seeing some real power behind it. You're imagining where this is going to go. You've done it with social media. Even before a lot of people saw the power of social media, you were an early adopter, especially for businesses. Um, what are the pros and cons for business owners? Where, where should they embrace this? How soon? How could they use it? What are you seeing? How, how can you help or people like you? Well, maybe it'd be helpful if I just tell you what I've done with it. Okay. And maybe that'll be like a jumping off point. Because yeah, I, I, I honestly don't know all of the ways businesses can use it right now other than they should be experimenting with it as much as humanly possible. The first thing I tell folks is make it your sidekick. No matter what you're doing, reference it to see could this thing help me do insert whatever you're doing mm. right now here. Mm -hmm. And you'll start to find novel use cases for it. It'll start to do things that you didn't think it could ever possibly be helpful with. And so that's where you're going to start to find here's how it could be helpful me to me in all these different areas of my life. So I think that would be the first thing I would say is um, – get over whatever skepticism you have about it. Like, this thing is here. Um, it's not going anywhere. You can debate the pros and cons and the ethics of it. But there's a cliche going around right now that, you know, AI is not going to replace your job. 
but somebody using AI will. So that's kind of, the, and I think that's probably true. So if you're not using it eventually, somebody that's using it is going to be far more productive than you are, and you're going to be looking for a job. So I think that would be the first thing. So um, I started off, like most people, like I said, I was very skeptical about it. Then I had the moment of like, I'm never going to have to do anything ever again. It was like the best thing of all time, and I hope nobody else ever finds out about it. And then you figure out, well, it's, it's not quite there yet. There, there's a lot of challenges and struggles that you'll have to figure out how to get it to do what you want to do perfectly. But um, back on the upslope, and as you start to work with it, you, you get the output that you're looking for. So <clears throat> we had been developing. Uh, so we have Read It For Me, which is a book summary company that basically takes best-selling business and personal development books and summarizes them. That business model has been around for like the last 30 years. We launched something about 15 years ago that was sort of novel at the time because we included animated video into it and has been a business for the last decade for us. Um, the, and we deal with a lot of leadership development programs and they deploy it into their companies. And what we find is that there's this nice big spike of engagement at the beginning where everybody's excited about it, it's going to save me time, yada, yada, yada. And then the engagement drops off like a, like a cliff. And we see it over and over again. So we've been, we've been trying to solve that problem for the last 10 years. Like, how do we get people engaged in this over time? The long story short is we figured out that because we're presenting our ideas in the form of books, which is a collection of a lot of ideas all at once, giving somebody 100 ideas in 12 minutes is no more effective than giving them 100 ideas in three hours or 10 hours, however long it takes you to read the book. Nobody can implement all of the ideas in a book, and then thus people get frustrated and they stop using it. So we decided we need to reorganize kind of the conception of what we were doing and break it down into... Uh, what we call nano skills. So basically, how can we give somebody a three-minute piece of content that isn't in general form, it isn't in the form of, hey, here's a concept. That's one of the insights we had. I'm going to just walk you through the business mm -hmm. challenge so you can see how we, we thought about using it. The challenge was most people, if they're presented with a general concept or something, can't actually figure out how to implement it like in a step-by-step -step fashion. They don't have the mental capacity to do it, especially when they're so busy, they're overwhelmed, they're never going to do it, um, which frustrates a lot of leaders because they do it naturally. A lot of leaders have that ability. It's like, oh, it's a general principle. Here's what empathic listening is all about. I'm going to go and do it, and here I'll just figure out on the fly how to, to do it. Most people don't do that. So it's kind of a blind spot for leaders, I found, that they think that everybody has this ability to do that, but in actuality, most people do not. So... But what we found through trial and error is that if you tell people exactly what to do, so if I sat down with you right now and I said, here are the steps to do empathic listening, one, two, three, first do this, then do that, then do that, you would then go off and you'd be very likely to go implement it in the next conversation you have and we can get back together next week and you'll tell me how it went. So we did a bunch of experimenting and figured out that that was the way to train people. It only takes a few minutes, so that solves the problem of the time because people are overwhelmed. We can only give them so much to do at a time. So the challenge was, well, how, how the heck am I going to build out an enormous library of that kind of information? Because when I first tried to do it with Empathic Listening was the first one we did, which we took from Stephen Covey's book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which was the, the fifth habit, seek first to understand, then to be understood. It's actually just the skill of empathic listening. And it took me about two hours to come up with a three-minute module. 
because I, it didn't exist. Like no step-by-step -step instructions actually exists for doing that. So it's a hard task and I'm very, you know, I don't know, top 1% on the planet of producing this kind of content because I've been doing it for 15 years and it took me a long time. So to expect other people to be able to do it quickly is not gonna happen. So I was kind of stuck in a, in a, in, in a corner, like I know, that, I know this should exist, but I don't see how it can make it exist at any meaningful scale. So um, I decided to do it anyways. So like, we're gonna build this, you know, come hell or high water. Uh, I set a date to launch it of April the 4th. <clears throat> um, April the 2nd, um, I had basically had made no progress in doing this and I've had a deadline and I've got people waiting for this thing. Uh, I've got my team is like, when are you gonna do this? And um, I figured out over that weekend, it was, it was a weekend, it was, we were going to launch it on a Monday. It was a Saturday and I was freaking out. And I figured out <clears throat> basically over that weekend that I could get ChatGPT to do the work for me. I, I had it create a competency model, boil it down into multiple, uh, so we, we broke it down into libraries, competencies, world's top experts in that area, and here are the skills that they teach. And so very quickly created this model this leadership and soft skill competency model, quickly identified who are the world's top experts on that topic, then said, write me a, we call it a, a 4P, which stands for principle, promise, playbook, prompt. So the principle is here's what empathic listening is. The promise is if you do empathic listening, here's what outcomes you could expect. The playbook is step one, step two, step three, and the prompt is a question that if you answered it would prove that you did it. So this is really what we're trying to produce for our company is you know, get them to actually go and implement the skill and prove that they did it. Um, and after training the AI for a couple of hours, it spits it out. And uh, so that was, that was amazing. Mm. And it does it, in a, it does it in a way that in about one minute, that took me about two hours. So now I can actually create something that I never would have even tried. Well, actually, I did try, but I shouldn't have tried. It, like if I had to do this all by myself, it would not have ever worked. So, and a few amazing things happened out of that. This the second problem was, and I'm already starting to lose my voice here because I use my voice too much. I'd spend all day on Zoom calls. Uh, that if I was going to have to record all those things, which I did previously. Um, they wouldn't work. My voice was going to give out. Uh, if I had to hire voice talent, that's going to be very expensive to be to be able to churn out this content at scale. So at that very weekend is when I figured out that actually I could get AI. The AI voice has evolved to a point where now most people cannot tell the difference. Mm. So I started using the AI voice tool <clears throat> in the workflow that we had created, um, which we started using in Reader for Me as well. And most people uh, said. Well, you got a new voiceover talent. So, like 99 out of 100 people just thought that we hired somebody else to do the voices. Um, the other 1% couldn't really, they were not sure. Like, is this AI or is this a real person? Wow. So, we're now at a, we're now at a point where, it, at least for me, in a content business, it just transforms everything mm -hmm. that um, we've been able to do. So that was one thing. So being able to produce content, whether it's for marketing or if you're doing training and you've got an online information business, the world has changed mm -hmm. overnight. Mm -hmm. And I think it changed in ways that most people don't really understand. So the principle of, you're familiar with the Lean Startup. Mm -hmm. So 10 years ago, there was this book that was written that basically 
shows you how to quickly iterate to find your way to a product that people actually want. The presumption is that you don't know what that actually is. You may have an idea for it, but you need to iterate your way to get to a valuable product. Mm -hmm. And that way of doing things was way different than the waterfall approach of, I'm going to come up with this big grand idea, and we're going to take two years to build it, and we're going to launch it, and it's going to go very well. And there's been many different Silicon Valley companies that have used that method, and there, there are billionaires walking around right now because they followed that strategy. But even that took a long time to play out because you got to have an idea, you need to have a developer, they need to produce it, and you got to do the marketing material. And so the iterations were fairly slow. Um, this case, so we, we basically produced uh, 72 modules in 24 hours. Over 24 hours, I got a good night's sleep uh, in the meantime, so it wasn't like I pulled an all-nighter. We launched a product, uh, had cash in the door in the first 24 hours, sold that product to a Fortune 500 company in the first week. And so the quality, like they checked out, like, yeah, that's, that's amazing. And I, how, do we, how do we buy it? And then got feedback from them by that weekend, and now are able to produce, they're like, this is really good, but here are some ways this could be better. And you know, if I had done it the old-fashioned way, it would have been like, well, sorry, like that's too bad. You know, that's the way it is. That's right. <laughs> Check back with me in two yeah. years. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get that fixed in the next ten years, so somewhere in there. Um, but now, we're able to turn that back around and send it back to them as a as a sample. You mean like this? And uh, less than fifteen minutes that, that took me. And like basically, yeah, that's a hundred times better. So now we can go back and in less than 24 hours produce the second version of this product that mm -hmm. is 100 times. Obviously, that's a subjective sure. comment, yeah. but it's better yeah. and more sellable because we've fixed a lot of problems that were in the first version. And that's a huge paradigm shift, right? Because if you think about one of the reasons that um, people tend to avoid customer service is because there's so much labor to give the customer what they want. Right? It's like, okay, yeah, I, I hear you saying you want that, but you don't understand. It took me to develop those 72 modules the last three years, and now you ask me to reformat all those modules just to accommodate this recommendation. Now you go, hey, uh, sure, no problem. Here's a sample 15 minutes later. Uh, I love it. Great. Okay. A day from now, we'll have all 72 modules redone. Yeah. And, and you didn't do most of the work. I mean, right. you, you guided it. You prompted it. You QC'd it, you know, but yeah, that's that's huge. Um, what about the what about the concerns? There's lots of concerns out there. Are there any of them that still concern you with AI? Which ones are? Well, I mean, everything from you know people are going to lose their jobs at a rate faster than we're going to be able to create new ones to. The artificial, artificial intelligence may erase my person, my digital persona, and so now I can't go to the, the store and buy food, and you know. So, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff running rampant out there. Any any of that have any merit that you've seen so far? I don't know if any of it has any merit. I'm not qualified to. Should we ask ChatGPT? Yeah, I probably should ask <laughs> ChatGPT. Uh, I'm sure it'll give you the answer that it wants you to have. The I think the first one, like it's going to replace jobs. I'm like, yeah, it's going to replace jobs. I will never again hire. It, it would it would seem insane to me for someone to suggest you should hire a voiceover talent. Mm. There's just no way I, w I would do it for. I think I'm paying ninety nine dollars a month for essentially an unlimited voiceover library of a voice that's 
way nicer than the one that you're listening to right now. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, voiceover people are going to lose their jobs unless you're unless you're a celebrity and people want to hear that voice because it's recognizable. Mm-hmm. Um, copywriters, there, there's lots of stories going around right now of copywriters getting fired. Why? Because of ChatGPT. And they should. Most mediocre copywriters are going to get fired. And nobody in their right mind would pay somebody you know, a $100,000 a year salary for something a $20 a month tool can do better, faster, and cheaper. So I think that's going to happen, and it's just going to, that's just the way it is. I could argue maybe that's not the way, if I was the lord of the universe, that I would have things play out, but it's just that, that's, I think, is just going to happen. And from my perspective, and I think from a business owner perspective, the right question is, how do we use this? Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, find that copywriter the next, like, a, a copywriter that's smart will figure out how to be the best copywriter using ChatGPT. Mm-hmm. That, that's one of the things that I think most people don't realize, especially people who are typically scared about these things are older. They're, they're worried about feeling irrelevant. I'm kind of like in the middle. Like I've been through this before when I was the young person. I'm now middle-aged and I'm kind of on both sides of the fence. I deal with a lot of uh, executives and entrepreneurs who are older that are feeling irrelevant because of all this. We, uh, I was speaking with somebody the yesterday, uh, I think it was yesterday. Time just goes so f- fast these days. It seems like the last two weeks have been a year for me. And his whole you know, super accomplished person has been in his field for 30 years and feels like overnight he's been made to feel irrelevant. Mm. And I think what most people who are in that position don't realize is that they have the the reason why I was able to create a leadership and soft skill library in 24 hours is because I knew what it should produce, mm-hmm. and I could quickly tell if that's right, that's wrong, that's right, that's wrong, and I can go fast. Mm-hmm. Whereas somebody who's just out of school is going to produce something that's infinitely inferior to that because they don't have any experience in the field. So I think a lot of folks, especially if you're later in your career, I, I think it's actually going to be more valuable for people later in their career than it is for people that are early in their career, mm-hmm. which is not, that part seems counterintuitive to people, but that's been my experience so far. I can see that with what little bit I've played with it. It's all on how to know, knowing how to ask the right questions. Mm-hmm. And in fact, uh, I, I teach some college level courses in my spare time. Uh, and uh, one of the students last night said something about, well, what's what kind of survey questions should we write? Because I know the wording's important, you know, and and it because of my experience, I feel like I probably write better survey questions than younger people with less experience. But at the same time, I'm not going to help them write those survey questions. That's part of the homework, you know. So I was like, well, that's something you're going to have to figure out. But um, you know, that so something like ChatGPT in a bit in a business setting, you could. St- start to query it and say, what's the best question to ask to get good results around this type of data? But again, I've got to know how to even structure that question to, to get something that's valuable. And I've asked ChatGPT a couple of just, you know, random questions, and the answers were weak. Uh, so it's not, my experience so far is it's not going to increase your intelligence, right? It's going to match your ability to ask a great question. And so if, if you're articulate, educated, uh, experienced, accomplished, 
you're probably going to ask better questions. Or like you were able to do, you're able to train it, you know, in such a way that it was giving you better results than it did at first. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, I would echo, you know, what what little bit I've played with it. Um, I would I think you're on the right track with that. It's actually should enhance the the um, people that master things to do them faster. <clears throat> yeah, I think that's right. I think it's. I was thinking about this on the way over, and you pointed out that it's now going to start to write code. So somebody who's very curious about how to build things and can go through the process of having an idea and then having like a severe bias for action to get feedback and iterate quickly over time, that person is going to be able to do so much more in the next coming weeks, months, years than probably we ever thought possible. Like a one-person business is going to do insanely ridiculous things in the next few years. And you, you will just just need an idea and the ability to make sure that what you're building is solving a problem for the people that you're trying to sell it to. Um, it's it's going to be, for people, again, who are curious and can follow that process, it's going to be like a, a gold rush. Yeah. Um, and the people who ignore it are going to have the feeling of being right and you know they'll be indignant about all the the ways that this is ruining our our culture and all the you know ability to think yeah we're you know no one's ever going to be able to think ever again Mm -hmm. um but there's a huge opportunity there for the people who can can see that this is going to help them move faster and i think that's ultimately the thing that it is allowing is it's going to help people move faster and if you can you can kind of ignore the side issues like you know how good can this image creation tool get and mm-hmm. I, I think one of the things i saw from the first revolution or whatever you want to call this that i lived through around social media was that the younger people will typically focus on the tools and how cool they are and the old people don't get it and the, the people that win in business are the people who look at it and can you quickly say that's relevant, this is not. Mm-hmm. This is relevant, that's not. And start doing the things that are relevant to helping them do their business better. You, you mentioned graphics. Uh, I was at a party on Sunday night. Um, actually, we were celebrating uh, Nate Gunn's birthday early. By the way, happy early birthday, Nate. Um, he's the guy behind the camera over here. So Very handsome. Yes, he is. Um, anyway, so... Um, at the at the party, he hangs out with a lot of younger people, you know, millennials and such. And one of his friends is a serious geek, and was showing me the AI that creates art. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, "Oh, hey, make me a logo for my podcast." And he goes, "Well, give me some parameters." And I said, "That's it." <laughs> he was like, "Well, I need something more." I said, "Okay, the the podcast title is a leader's journey." So he put in create a new logo for a podcast called a leader's journey. It actually came up with some pretty cool stuff. I mean, several of them, not interested, not not practical, couldn't put them on T-shirts, look great on a screen. But two or three were viable within 20 seconds. Now, I would continue to tweak them from that, but they were surprisingly good, high quality, uh, <clears throat> thoughtful, like it had a silhouette of a, logo, of a, a person, you know, had some... Uh, 
imagery of journey, mountains or roads or, you know, so uh, and some of it was more subliminal, just like swooshes off to the side. Uh, but it was four samples that were very, um, something you could build on, you know, or adapt from. And that would have taken a graphic artist. My, my brother in high school worked for a graphic artist. And just to get a pencil sketch of, of a logo was a multi-week process. And lots of money. Yeah. You know, the, the guy made serious income, the owner of the graphic studio. Uh, but everything was manual, and it was you know drawing on easels and and um, drafting boards, and you really had to know what you were doing to create a logo. It was was quite quite the art, and um, but what it created the other day was light years, you know, in seconds. It was light years beyond what these graphic artists were doing 35, 40 years ago. Yeah, it really is amazing. I mean, it's another example of an industry where most of the people who want it to be the old way will lose their jobs and the people that can speed up their process. Because, you know, most of design is taste, right? And that's, that's really what you're hiring a designer to do. You're not hiring them for their technical ability to produce a sketch. It's like this person has better taste than everybody else, and that's why I want to hire them because they're going to make our business look the best. So whoever can do that, doesn't matter. No, nobody's going to care. Did you produce that logo with AI, mm-hmm. or did you draw it by hand? Like mm-hmm. most, most people do, just don't care. Mm-hmm. So that, that was that was actually one of the one of the things you know you asked like what should people be focusing on? There's I follow a venture capital firm called NFX, which stands for Network Effects, and they focus on companies that have network effects built in. And they released an article a couple. I think it might have been a couple months ago, maybe a couple weeks ago. Again, I'm all messed up with time time right now. displaced. Yeah. Um, But they said there's basically three stages of this process that we're going through right now. The first stage is companies that are building wrappers around the core technology like ChatGPT. And so these businesses have been around for like a couple of years. Like Jasper is a, a popular one that writes blog posts and LinkedIn stuff and does a lot of your marketing stuff for you. So most of those tools now are just wrapped around the core technology and that that has kind of been played out. But there's you've probably seen an insanely large number of tools being released, you know, week over week. There's, so that, that is kind of done. Um, and then the next stage, or the third stage is somebody's going to come up with like the genius use that nobody's thinking about right now, and that'll be a big thing. But that's probably four or five years away. And the analogy they use is, you know, it took five years or so for somebody to come up with the idea for Uber and Lyft. It wasn't the day the smartphone and the app was released. It was several years before those kind of use cases came out. But there's this time period in between where the next businesses that are going to win are basically focusing on how do we take these tools and put them through every single process that we do. So it's it's the boring stuff, Mm -hmm. stuff that you know a lot about from doing Six Sigma Mm -hmm. work. It's like how do we optimize every single task that we do with AI so that we can do things better, faster, cheaper than our competitors? Mm -hmm. Because nobody cares if our output is enabled by AI or some human crafting it behind the scenes so that's kind of the stage that i'm most interested in because it's you know it's a time frame that i can wrap my head around the next few years Mm -hmm. and also it 
it gives a real focus to let's let's take these businesses apart and put them back together again using these tools not not produce the most pretty you know Mm-hmm. Let's not produce cap, more cat videos, but let's let's figure out how we can help business owners do their business better, faster, and cheaper. And that's exciting. Yeah. So you said something just now about the the lean six sigma type stuff. I was thinking a couple of days ago, if there's already software out there to help automate workflows. So I think of like Microsoft's Power Automate, pretty pretty good software. Um, if you know how to do stuff in there, you could tell it, scan my emails, look for these subjects, move to this folder, reply to these kind of emails with this response. Some pretty cool stuff that I would have loved to have had 20 years ago when I'm automating processes. Uh, put AI on that, give, give Power Automate, which is the Microsoft product, an AI interface to where you could just tell it, this is what I want to do and let it figure out the automation, the programming. That would be amazing. So Microsoft, if you're listening, wrap AI around Power Automate sooner and later. Uh, and you can send me the, the bonus check. Uh, that's fine. Anyway, so I'm already starting to think, but even as you're, as you're sharing some of your examples, um, I think that you've given some great thoughts, but one that so far that stuck out is this idea of we need to go experiment and just see what this can do and where it can do it and is there any? Had you not been up against the deadline, you might not have tried it. Right? You kind of had no choice at that point. Uh, so that's one place procrastination paid off. Good job, Steve. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> big time. Yeah, I, th- I think that for me, that's the big takeaway. Is like this enables so much more experimentation than was ever possible before, mm-hmm. and the people who experiment the most are going to win. And that's the principle that most people. That's how science works. That's how most things that our successful work is somebody just iterated on something longer or faster than, than other folks. So that's where I think the biggest impact is going to be. I think we're going to have to form a think tank of business owners um, like you and me and a few other folks where we think about how to apply this in life to get to that next, accelerate that three to five year. I already got one place we could use it, but I can't tell y'all because can be a big money maker. Yeah, so I just thought of sitting here right now. Share all the now. secrets, right? That's right. So that's cool. Um, final thoughts. I know we're kind of on a brief show today. Um, where do you think this, if you were somebody listening in the audience six months ago, what would you tell them now with what you know? Start experimenting. That's it. That's it. You'll figure out how to use it. Know that you're going to go through the that cycle of this is the best thing I've ever seen in my entire life, and I never have to do anything ever again. To like this is this is a horrible piece of technology, and I never want to use it again. And then once you're out there, start to figure out how to use it in in ways that you're not seeing on Twitter, and think it think about it from how can I make this thing that I'm doing now this way better, faster, cheaper by using the tool and get creative. So, so last question, what's, what's the simplest or the most unusual use of AI you've seen so far, either personally, professionally, <clears throat> online? The simplest or most unusual? I don't know if I have an answer for that. I, I think the simplest one, I think the most common one that people use it for is writing marketing 
content. So okay. it's like writing blog posts and um, stuff like that. That is clear because that that's the most obvious thing that this It'd does. It'd be a quick win for a lot of small business owners, right? Because they don't have time to write blogs. They know it's important. They are subject matter experts, but getting all that all those words on page. Let uh, so you're proposing. By hearing you correctly, you're proposing let AI do the first draft. Ask it, ask it the question or say, write me a blog on this topic. Let it do the first draft and then read through it and tweak whatever you need to tweak. Would that be a, a good place to start maybe? Or yeah. A I LinkedIn think I, post or a Facebook post or something. Yeah, I think I think I would avoid the trap of just thinking that this thing can produce a ton of content for mm -hmm. you, though, because okay. a lot of people are going to do that. And sure. there's going to be a lot of horrible content being posted. And it's not going to solve your problem. The problem most people are trying to solve when they're doing blogs and podcasts is I want to get somebody's attention and keep it so that eventually I can sell them the thing that I have to sell. So I think I would follow the same process of experimenting. So go out and talk to people first and say, here's something. Do you think you would listen to this for three minutes a day if I created a three-minute blog or a three-minute podcast? Mm. And then continue to iterate on that until you have the thing that they can't live without. Then spit it through the machine. So I think there's the step beforehand, which I think even for marketing and for all those other obvious use cases, you should experiment first, figure out how to solve a problem for the people you're trying to serve, then operationalize it. So that's the most obvious use case. I don't know the most unique use case, although I, the one I'm most fascinated with right now is writing code. Um, and I, I don't know how to line. I've never written a line of code mm -hmm. in my life. Mm -hmm. And well, I think there's an intersection of like knowing enough of it so that I can understand. It's kind of like a foreign language where like you really don't know how to speak it, but you understand what the people are saying. I think there's some analogy there that would work here. It's like I, I, I can see the code and know if it's right or wrong or where to point it. And so I'm going to get to that point for myself so that, you know, if you stuck me on an island with a computer and a Wi-Fi connection, I could figure out how to get a dollar from your bank account into mine on the <laughs> island as quickly as possible. That, that, that would be, that's kind of where I'm thinking is like, how can, how can we empower single person mm -hmm. businesses, especially folks who have a lot of expertise and wisdom to build a business on their own with their own two hands and a, and a keyboard. Fascinating. It's going to be fun. So, Steve, I'll definitely have to have you back. You've got some other things I want to talk about one of these days. But thanks for your time today. Short notice, I know. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you pinch hitting and, and stepping into the batter's box. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you.